Well, good morning. Uh, last weekend we witnessed uh, four baptisms, and what a great time it was, wasn't it? With testimonies and, and then the baptisms following, it was great. Um, early in that morning, in that Sunday morning, I was praying for each person being baptized and listening to what God might be saying for them. Um, and during this time, I read through one of the accounts of Jesus at the beginning of his ministry, and one verse in particular jumped out at me, and I believe that God not only wanted me to share this uh, with the person that I was praying for, but that he had a wider application uh, for the church for this verse. So I decided to unpack the verse a little for us today. Um, I'll I'll read Luke's account of what happened uh, as a context first, and then uh, before we dive into what I believe God might be saying to us. And the story's in Luke 5, verses 1 to 11, for those of you that want to. Uh, Read in your Bibles. One day Jesus was standing at the lake of Gennesaret, also known as the Sea of Galilee. The people were crowding round him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I'll let down the nets. When they'd done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they'd taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you'll fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. When I was younger, I went fishing whenever I could, and If nothing else, it was an excuse to spend some time with a friend or two uh, and just chat and chill. I have to say, in all my years, I only caught one or two, maybe even half-impressive fish. And um, I'm thankful that I never had to make a living out of it uh, because I'd have gone broke or starved pretty fast. Um, For Simon, James, John, and Andrew, who isn't mentioned in Luke's account but is in Mark's account of the story, they were fishermen by trade. And it seemed that their livelihood did depend on what they caught. And on this occasion, Luke writes that they had caught nothing all night, had left their boats behind, and had started to clean their nets. Jesus came to the edge of the lake, got in a boat, and they floated out a little from the edge. To his disciples, he commanded them to launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. They did, as Jesus said, and they're recording as catching a great number of fish. So many fish, their nets began to break, and when they loaded two boats with fish, the two boats began to sink. All who saw were astonished, but Jesus wasn't, and said something which indicated the reason uh, he commanded the miracle to happen. Do not be afraid. From now on, you'll catch people. It seems to be that the miracle and the circumstances combined spoke powerfully to the men, and their response was to bring their boats to land put down everything and follow Jesus and join him on the adventure. So that's a broad summary of the account, but I'd like us to go back towards the beginning of the account and look at Jesus' encouragement 
to launch out into the deep and let down the nets for a catch. Jesus used the principle of this act of obedience of pushing out and letting down the nets to talk about evangelism. And I want us today to look at the verse in the same way and to see what this means for us today as individuals and as a church. So I'd like us to take this verse in two stages. Firstly, the push out into the deep and then followed by the let down your nets for a catch. So here we go. Jesus' command to push out into the deep was a practical one. But it took obedience from the men that day. They were tired, disheartened. They were expert fishermen and had not caught anything. And yet here was Jesus telling them to take out their boats into deeper water and to try again. They obeyed Jesus and the results astonished everyone. Their first step in the account was obedience, trusting and going deeper. They were obedient and went deeper into the promises of Jesus. And I believe the challenge is to us today, do we? Are we obedient to him? Are we pushing into the deep with God at the moment? I'd like to spend a few minutes looking at a few tests or indicators on what going deep or listening to God and responding might look like for us today. And the first question I have on my heart is about obedience in life. So many times God's promptings are to conform us to be more like Christ. So my question to us goes like this. Can you say God is speaking to me and prompting me to sin less and trust more? And am I obeying? It's a tough question and about going deeper because our hearts battle continuously with sin and doubt and unbelief. If you can answer yes, then great, but you'll know life gets tougher in many ways the deeper into obedience we go. For example, you'll look differently to other people in your approach to life, and you'll feel that difference, and so will they. The call to push out deeper into obedience and holiness comes with its challenges. It can make us feel very uncomfortable. We'll look different, even peculiar. And it takes strength of belief and strength of character to stand out from the world. There'll be a natural fear to what others may say or think. We'll worry we won't fit in. On many occasions, I confess, I've been more worried about what I look like to others than what God looks like to them. These are uncomfortable areas, but ones we inevitably have to address as those who have made a decision to follow Christ. Often we sing the song, I've decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. And these words need to sink deep into our hearts and lives. Obedience, nonconformity to the world, avoiding sinful behavior as a grateful response to salvation changes our relationship with God. Romans 12 says this, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Here's another way of looking at our sin compared to the call to go deeper into holiness and obedience that might be helpful. I want to share with you the image of a cliff. It's a a, a metaphorical cliff on one side, grassy, lush, and green, and then on the other side of the cliff, a sheer drop down to certain depth. And I want to use this image of a cliff as an illustration for obedience and compromise. 
over the edge and falling to death is a picture of conformity with the world. Further away from the edge represents a transforming or renewing of our minds so that we'll know God more. And I believe the draw in this country, in this town, uh, and our own natural sinfulness in our hearts are for the people of God to walk as close to the edge of the cliff as they think they can get away with. Compromise is temptingly comfortable and easy. It can come in a number of guises, but inevitably takes the form of purposefully not honoring God in our behavior somehow, knowingly letting our standards slip. The closer to the edge you walk, the more comfortable it is to get away with being a Christian in an unchristian place. When we compromise, we don't look that different. We're not pushing into Romans 12 and being transformed. So we're conforming more to the world than to God. Our minds are being transformed less. Our spiritual growth is less. And friends, it's like we're walking alongside a deadly cliff edge. Our obedience and ability to hear God is less. And maybe, just maybe, we wouldn't do, as Jesus said, to push deeper, even if we hear him say it, because compromise can lead to a numbness and deafness to God. Friends, we're human. We're not perfect. So can I ask an obvious question here? If you're standing at the edge of a cliff and you slip in the wrong direction, what happens? You fall to your death. But if metaphorically you're well away from the side of the cliff, being transformed by the renewing of your mind, able to test God's will more clearly, what happens if you slip? Because we all inevitably do. I'll tell you. You get back up. You dust yourself off and get walking again. And I believe God would say to us today to check where we're compromising in our walk of obedience. I believe his heart cries to say, stop, turn around, come closer to me, not the world. Come to me. Walk away, be different. And how can we be different if we're living a life so close to how non-believers live that they don't see any difference? Are you being transformed? If not, then for goodness sake, do something about it. I know I need to. Can I encourage us to get back on our knees and to cry out to him, to turn away from compromise and walk towards an encounter with God? I pushed hard on this point. Let's move on and look at other indicators of what listening to God and responding, pushing deeper might look like. I'll try and keep my next few points a little shorter. So next, I'd like to say when we're closer and more obedient to God, the scriptures come alive to us more often. Yes, God can speak clearly into our lives when we're far from him. But as we walk in obedience and good relationship with him, this deepens. Have you ever had the experience of God's word burning in your heart? Like those disciples on the Emmaus Road? Do the scriptures burn within you? They can. If they're not burning within you, can I encourage you to push deeper? Seek God in the scriptures. Ask him to give you whatever it takes for the scriptures to come alive to you. Ask him for a fire deep down. Do you feel fascinated by the presence of God through the scriptures? Has he captivated your heart? Do you have those days where you long to be alone with him, alone with him and his word, where he metaphorically takes you by the hand and leads you through the scriptures, giving you revelation and truth 
showing more of his character to you and leading you to a place where your heart is just so on fire, leading you in a way where he gently teaches and renews you. It's available for us. However, when we compromise in our relationship and our obedience with him, we risk it. Don't let the fire inside die down. Ask for more. So just one more product of obedience, like the disciples responding to Jesus' instruction to push deeper is this. You will see God impacting your day more. A few questions I ask myself around this are, when was the last time you were amazed or astonished at something in your day that God had done? Or to ask in a slightly different way, when was the last God moment where you knew something supernatural and amazing had just happened? that touched your life or someone else's life. I can pinpoint moments in conversations, instant answers to some prayers, but for me, I have to say, those moments aren't as frequent as I want. But I do know the times where I felt God's presence the most is when I'm either being persecuted or more often I'm telling people about Jesus. So before we move on to letting down our nets, what does pushing deeper not look like? Well, I can say it doesn't look like telling others they're doing things wrong and trying to change them rather than change ourselves. It also doesn't look like self-condemnation. Nowhere here does Jesus attribute or deny self-worth to anyone he's speaking to. In fact, it's not on his radar at all. He's simply encouraging and beckoning and pointing and saying, go for it and watch what happens. He knows more than the disciples at that point and he knows more than us now. And I believe he's still saying to us, push out into the deep. Our own legalism will condemn us for not going deep. But here Jesus isn't threatening them with a go deep or else. There's no threat. It's about relationship with him. He's encouraging them to do something they really don't want to do, and they're doing it because of who he is, not because of what he might do to them if they don't do it. If you feel any guilt from not going deeper, then realize this. Jesus is different than this. He's saying, trust me and go for it. The call to push deeper is about relationship, not legalism. We're always in a better place when we go deeper with God. And I don't know what would have happened if the fishermen had said no to Jesus. They were probably very glad that they didn't. And there's every reason that we will be more glad in a deeper place of obedience with God. We need to move on. We're looking at the potential of pushing deeper with God and then letting down our nets for a catch. Let's turn now to the second part of Jesus' instruction to let down your nets for a catch and how Jesus tied this in to being fishers of people. So I want to start with a really simple question. Are we even letting down our nets for a catch? Are you sharing the gospel with anyone? If you're anything like me, I sometimes forget to be intentional about sharing the gospel. Days, weeks, months can get lost in the busyness of life where we just aren't intentional. And seasons come and go through the year and before we know it, we've not shared the gospel for a year, two, maybe more. Does this resonate with you? Is it, is it just me? Jesus was intentional and we need to be intentional too. Jesus gave clear instruction to his disciples, let down your nets for a catch. 
And there was a confidence because the catch was his business. They didn't need to worry about failing. They needed to do their part and be obedient. And just let Jesus do the rest of the work. We're co-workers with Christ, just like the disciples who are pushed out deeper. We do our bit, then we trust that Jesus will do his bit. Another good question to ask is, do you have the depth of relationship with others that they can ask questions about your faith? Do others see something different about yourself? Whilst our faith in Jesus isn't about changing the outside to make the inside feel okay, God does change us as we press deeper into him. And others notice. If you have a good relationship with them, they'll ask. People are struggling in this world, but they learn to hide it well. They have doubts about life and death. They have insecurities. They know that they're not happy or complete. But when we are close to God, they see this. They see and sense a difference in you. Be ready to give a reason for the hope you have. So often we share our struggles, but then not share how we're trusting in God to be there through the struggles. And Jesus tells us to push deeper and let out our nets to become fishers of people. Why? Why does he even want us to be fishers of people? When in Luke 19, verse 10, Jesus gives us a clue when he said, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And Jesus sees people as lost if they haven't recognized God for who he is and responded in their hearts and their lives appropriately to this. We shared earlier about um, a cliff edge that we desperately needed to stay away from with all of our heart at risk of compromising ourselves with the world. I want to contrast this with another cliff edge. And this is different from the last cliff edge. And I'll explain how. This cliff edge is different because a cliff edge, on this cliff edge we see unsaved, lost people walking from afar and toppling over the cliff to their death. Jesus sees lost people as people who he desires to save for an eternity. And the people walking off this particular cliff are lost. They just believe they're walking in the right direction and don't believe that there's any consequences to the way they walk through life. They just walk, and whilst they might not want to fall off the edge, death is inevitable for all of us. For anyone who's been around for any amount of time, it's clear that the human race has a 100% mortality rate. And sooner or later, we all die. Now, I don't particularly enjoy talking like this, but the Bible says hell is a reality, friends. The world has a huge pushback on Jesus' view of the world. They reject God and they turn themselves into gods. They reject judgment and make themselves the judge. They reject God's fairness and supremacy in all things and make themselves supreme in all things about them. They eat, drink and be merry for tomorrow they might die. And in doing this, in making these choices, they're choosing for an eternity in hell. In this example of the cliff, I believe that we need to be as close to the cliff edge as possible. Anchored to Christ, we need to be walking with people in life and pleading with them to turn around, both for their sakes as we love them and for God's sake as we love him. The alternative, which is the most unloving thing I can think of, is that we watch them fall over the cliff and let them because we're okay or because we don't 
tempor want to temporarily feel a little uncomfortable about having chats with them about Jesus. It's serious stuff. And I'm preaching to myself here as much as anyone. We know as a leadership team here that we want to be living this out more, leading by example. But that's only the start. I believe God is challenging us to reach out more as a congregation, as a community of those filled with God's love, and as a community that cares about others, no matter who they are, or their background, or their circumstances. Can I urge you to get close to this cliff edge that others are falling from and plead with them to turn around and to stop walking in an eternally destructive direction? As a side note, um, some of our life groups at the back are starting in May and they're designed to equip us to reach out to others in a way that's clear and sensitive, that honours God and loves and respects the people we need to share with. Jesus said, put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Meet people where they are, church. In their darkest times, when they're hurting, when they need truth, when you see they're lost, when you see they're questioning life, when you see they're heading for an eternity without God, it's a waste of your life, their life, and Jesus' death on the cross if we don't reach out to them with the gospel. Evangelism is God saying, hey, join me on this adventure. Do you want the adventure? Do you want to see miracles? Do you want to see people saved and living for Jesus? Sometimes it's scary. In fact, more often than not, it's scary. But can I also say be wise and not fearful? Too often we dress fear up as wisdom. We're scared of looking stupid or crazy and... We invent a wise, logical reason not to share the gospel when actually we should. On the flip side, also be wise. Let's revisit Romans 12.2, which again says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and prove what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. The verse explains that the closer you are to God, the more you'll be able to test his will. Do test your approach to evangelism. Take time to know the gospel. Jesus explained it in many different ways. Take time to read through the gospels and see how Jesus approached it with different people. Usually it changed depending on their attitude, approach, or Jesus' understanding of the person he was speaking to, and always within a relationship, however briefly formed. He was different. He was close to the Father and knew the Father's will. As we become more intentional in sharing the gospel, that is, this is our challenge too, to know his good, pleasing and perfect will. Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Can we opt for either just pushing out deeper or letting down our nets? Well, very briefly, I want to look at both of these options alone, as I believe we probably have a tendency to do one or the other. What happens when we push deep? but don't let down our nets. When we push deeper but don't share the gospel, we look great as we're way deeper than others, but actually there's no catch. There's no fruit in the form of fish caught with Jesus, which Jesus equates to catching people for him. We can look super holy. We can raise our hands in worship, glorify God in a small way, but I want to caution you that 
God wants us to share our faith with others. Matthew 5, 14 to 16, Jesus says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You're different, he says. The world is dark. In contrast, you're light. You're radiant. Let the radiance of God in you shine out. How's your light going to shine if you're only one watt brighter than the world? That's not shining, friends. We're called to be radiant, and this involves encountering God, not compromising with him, being faith-filled and demonstrating his kingdom to others. I have to say, church, letting your radiance shine in here, in these four walls, if we only did that, it would be a tragedy. God will see it and it will bless him. We'll see it and it will encourage us, but he wants others to see it too. And this means taking our radiance out of here and doing church Monday to Saturday, being radiant wherever we are as well as on a Sunday. It means being church out there on the, on the streets, in the shops, in our workplaces, with our families, with the lonely, with the orphans, the widows, the poor, the abused, the communityless, those seeking truth, those desperate for a spirituality that satisfies. We believe as a church that we're sent daily as part of God's redemptive purpose for the world. And that can be scary. Jesus sent out his disciples in twos, and I think probably for a good reason. If you're feeling the prod from God today to share the gospel, then try buddying up with someone for reference and encouragement. Encourage each other to share the gospel more. What happens if we don't move away from compromise before letting down our nets? Well, staying in shallow water represents being too compromised with the world. Our light not shining bright. Our behavior and conduct so close to the world that people see no difference. Letting down our nets in the shallow waters is like watering down our message. It confuses the hearer as they hear one thing and see another. When we're compromised, probably saved, but still far from God in our behaviors, when we're resisting the call of the Spirit to go deeper, resisting the call of the Father to come to him, resisting the call of Jesus that he died so that you may glorify God, we're living in a dangerous place. That cliff edge of compromise is a high-risk place. If that's you today, if the Holy Spirit is highlighting areas of potential compromise to you, can I urge you to step away from compromise? Turn around, walk away, and you'll find the Father waiting with his arms wide open. This does make me wonder about the question, can I get away with doing neither? Can I brush all this under the carpet? On the face of it, it's not a helpful question as... It might highlight a heart that desires little holiness, that does not value what Jesus has done enough to tell anyone. However, I want to use the question to highlight one thing in particular. And that is, I'm not tying this in with earning salvation. We do not earn our salvation. Rather, we work out our salvation. But I do believe we are to have Jesus as our Lord as well as our Savior. And Lordship implies obedience to him. 
make him Lord as well as Saviour. Pushing out into the deep is uncomfortable. Letting down your nets and sharing the gospel with people and making disciples is uncomfortable. But Jesus still encourages us to do both. Joshua gives us a great encouragement to do both together. For he says in Joshua 3 verse 5, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. It's a version of put out into the deep and let down the nets for a catch. Brothers and sisters, what we've been talking through is tough. It's sacrificial. It's countercultural. It's shining bright for God in dark places. It means putting God before self. It means trusting Jesus to guide you. It means being open and responding to God. For Moses, it's a journey that will span years. For some, change will be instant, like a penny drop moment, but for many, I suspect this will be a slower journey. And that's okay. And you and I should feel no condemnation about being work in progress. We all are. But can I encourage you to take a step forward today? Take the challenge you feel and act on it. The tiniest steps, even the desire to take a step, but acknowledging your weaknesses is highly valued in God's economy because he sees our hearts rather than our deeds. If you're feeling inadequate about sharing the gospel, then you need to know that feeling inadequate is an amazing place to start. I want to remind you of the story of the widow's offering or the widow's might in less modern language. It goes like this. As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow putting two very small copper coins. Truly, I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. As we hear this, we should know that Jesus sees our hearts. He sees what little we have, but that we still offer it. And that would be my encouragement to you today, to just offer him whatever you have, whatever it is. You see, this recounting of what happened at the beginning of Jesus' ministry ends with this step of obedience. So they pulled up their boats on shore, left everything and followed him. They laid it all down. Some would have had more, some would have owned boats, some wouldn't have. Whatever they laid down, they had, they laid down and stepped into the ministry Jesus was calling them into. And if you don't feel you have much to offer, just offer what you have. I'll close by encouraging you one more time. We're called to be fishers of people. Push out into the deep church. Ask for the fire. Don't be afraid. Let down your nets for a catch. And prepare to be astonished for what Jesus will do through you and all of us. Amen.